0: Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Alex, aka NFT God, who is one of the top content creators on Twitter and writes about personal growth, investing, technology, Web3, and how they all tie together. Through his large Twitter following and weekly newsletter, NFT God shares daily tips for getting 1% better every day. This was an awesome and super engaging interview that I really enjoyed, and I'm sure you will, too. So you did tell me the story of um, why you chose that name. Uh, I remember when we first had a conversation. But I think it's worth uh, to let people know as well, you know, listening to this, why NFT got.
1: Yeah, so I discovered the NFT space back in March of 2021. Uh, and I was so inspired by the things I was reading. I actually stumbled across like an article about the sandbox metaverse and I was so inspired that I just felt like the urge to write about it and create content around it. And so I wanted a username that stood out, that, that caught people's attention. You know, there's, there's a lot of content creators in this space and I, you know I wanted not only my content to stand out, but the name too. And so I was just going through different things. And I think like eighth on the list was NFT God. And uh, it was the only, it was the first one that uh, was not taken yet by Twitter. So I I registered that, bought the domain, bought everything around it and uh, ended up with the name NFT God.
0: Nice. Do you ever get um, any kind of pushback on that name?
1: Not really, no. Uh, Every once in a while I'll get a reply from someone who probably has a million other problems with me than just my name saying, Oh, NFT got a little narcissistic, huh? And you know, it is what it is. They're all, they're always be haters out there, but, uh, not honestly, not too much. You would think, you would think that would uh, push some wrong buttons, but no, no people, people generally are all right with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I would have thought so. So, um, how long have you been using this name now?
1: I registered it in March, 2021, but I didn't start tweeting until I think it was December 31st, 2021. So I bought my ape on December 28th. And then I started tweeting, I think either the same day or or three days later. And, uh, you know, I I just started tweeting some educational stuff. I was looking around the space and I realized most of the, the content was just jokes and memes, which, I have no problem with it all i think it's critical for the culture of nfts and web 3 and crypto to have memes and you know that own kind of language but i realized there was space to have unique content around education and helping others and so i started tweeting out and you know i didn't catch on right away in fact it took months for me to even hit a thousand but uh I-, I got a lot of joy from it and i really enjoyed doing it so the results and the engagement and the following didn't matter so you know I, I registered the account i felt very inspired but i didn't start tweeting until i bought my ape and i felt like okay you know now i'm fully into this now i, I really got to lean in
0: do you think that having the ape uh had an impact on building
1: your initial following i didn't hit a thousand followers for months after i started tweeting uh so if it did have impact maybe it got me 20 30 followers Um, so I don't think so. You know, I get, I get a lot of comments like that. Like, Oh, you you only have a platform because you're ape." uh, I didn't hit a thousand until like three months later. I didn't hit 5,000 followers until six months later. And there's a lot of people with apes as their profile picture that don't have like any audience or platform at all. So while I think it's like an easy way for some people to excuse like, Oh, he only has those followers because the ape. Um, I don't know, it didn't get me much traction. So it didn't really work for me. You know, it, it is It is my branding at this point. So people see the ape and they think me, but uh, no, I don't know. I, it took me months to get a thousand. So I, I don't know if it had much of an impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So um, when I uh, look at your content uh, on Twitter, it's not always about NFTs. Uh, a lot of it is about helping people with marketing, essentially, like the the things that you talk about are, are more like you know how, how do you build a brand? How do you um, market yourself? Um, so in real life, do you do marketing, or uh, you know, is it where do you get the ideas um, on what to post? And and uh, considering that your name is NFT God,
1: my my content strategy is very simple. I tweet out things that I learn. Right? So my background is not in marketing or anything like that. I actually manage a team of tech consultants. So I'm in, the, I'm in the tech space. And my content strategy is simple. As I learn things and figure things out, I tweet out my lessons learned. So as I've been building this platform, I've been building it now for 11 months. I've learned a lot about marketing. I've learned a lot about what gets you attention, what gets you an audience. Uh, you know, what gets you eyeballs? And as I learn those things, I tweet it out and what the, what I figured out as I do that is people like to learn those things as well. So it gets me even more of an audience. Um, so, you know, I don't have a background in marketing, but I, I think I found my niche through this 11 months of tweeting, which is the cross-section between technology and NFTs, um, personal growth. You know, I tweet a lot about just for me, things that make my day-to-day life easier and the habits that go into that. And then on top of that, building a platform, building an audience and, and marketing and what goes into that. Those are three things I've learned a lot about over the last 11 months. And so those that's what I tweet about. And it seems the audience I've built is really interested in those things as well. So no, I don't have any traditional training and or education in marketing, but you know, the best way to learn is by doing. And over the last 11 months, I've been building a platform. So I've, I've learned a lot of lessons that I've been able to share out with my audience.
0: And, and is most of your focus just on Twitter or do you have a presence on other platforms too?
1: So basically I have two platforms and that is Twitter, which is my main one. And then I have a newsletter on Substack. Uh, I've been building the newsletter side by side with my Twitter. Uh, the newsletter started as a hobby. I just enjoy long form writing. So I was writing a newsletter, you know, out very early on to a subscriber list of 10 people. And I did that for months. Uh, I was writing a newsletter every day at one point. And, you know, as my Twitter platform grew, which I really honestly I didn't expect to happen, uh, my newsletter platform grew side by side with that. And so, you know, now I have uh, close to 11,000 subscribers to my newsletter. It's my second platform. So Twitter, you know, acts as my main gateway to NFT God content. And then through that, people move on to my newsletter, which is more for my more hardcore fans who want to read you know, longer form content, uh, and so those are the two platforms I'm on now. I'm considering other platforms in the future. I'm not really close to doing that yet. You know, maybe if growth was to tail off on my two platforms, I'd consider it. But right now, growth growth has been really strong across both, so I'm just focusing that, leaning into those two as much as I can, and then maybe in the future I'll expand the right way according to you know my brand and what works best for me.
0: Do you monetize your uh, content in any way at the moment?
1: Yes. The only way I monetize at the moment is through sponsored sections in my newsletter. So in my newsletter, in my Substack, I do have a paragraph that is labeled as sponsored in which uh, clients that want to work with me can sponsor that paragraph in my newsletter. Uh, it says sponsored. It's very clear. Uh, and every week in my, you know, my weekly newsletter, I have a sponsored section, so Nothing on my Twitter is monetized. I have no plans to ever monetize Twitter. You know, I view Twitter as one of the most incredible top of the funnels uh, when it comes to marketing on the internet. I have the power to write two sentences and then over 2 million people will be able to see that within a day. That's incredible marketing power. So I don't want to monetize that because I want the, the widest reach possible. And then as people get to my newsletter, that's where I might consider monetizing because you know, that's going to be my hardcore fans who won't mind reading two sentences that are sponsored as long because I'm giving them a whole lot of other content for free. So at the moment, all my monetization is just on a small sponsored section of my newsletter.
0: And uh, for people who are reading your newsletter, so are they coming to your newsletter from Twitter?
1: Uh, Yes, Twitter is the best funnel to my newsletter. I do get a good amount of clicks uh, to my newsletter that's not from Twitter. Um, so I have analytics around it. I get, Substack has very good discoverability. So I get people that just discover me through Substack, but I also have a uh, good SEO. So you know, over the last few months, NFT God has gone to the top of search when you search NFT God. And so I actually do get some subscribers from just Google by itself. So my SEO has been working for me as well, but I'd say like 90% of my subscribers come from Twitter. Um, from the content I put out, and then it links to my Substack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been the best funnel to my newsletter uh, I have currently.
0: So when I look at um, how brands are building, you know, companies are building in in Web three, I think a lot of times we are too quick to dismiss uh, all the old um, uh, analytics and and tools that are available to us in Web two, uh, and there's a lot of uh, focus on you know uh of, of course on twitter um I, you know as somebody i built my brand kind of like what you've done i've done that on linkedin so i have a, a large following on linkedin um about eighty five thousand, i think right now uh i've been a linkedin official top voice uh chosen by linkedin three years in a row um you know they uh endorsed my book so i built all of that on on over there and now um, that I'm building in web 3 most of my focus is on on Twitter because most of the web3 community is on Twitter. but I think um, you know like you truly said uh, there uh, those things like SEO um, and things like that they do still matter and and in your opinion when you look at uh, brands building in web3, do you think that web 3 communities are and and uh, web3 brands are uh, using those tools enough or or do you feel like they are missing the boat on? By kind of like dismissing all sorts of Web2 tools?
1: No, they're missing the boat. There's their, the NFT content space is incredibly immature. There's basically two, basically just one platform 99% uses, and that's Twitter. Uh, people are really missing out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's huge. I mean, LinkedIn at the moment is not a perfect fit for Web3. The only reason being is a lot of people on Web3 are anonymous. And LinkedIn does not allow you to have anonymous accounts with a cartoon picture as the PFP. Uh, But if you are a, you know, a a doxxed brand, um, you can take advantage of LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn has some of the best discoverability of any social media platform. There are a tremendous amount of quote unquote influencers and thought leaders on LinkedIn that built a platform just putting content on LinkedIn. Uh, So I think that is a platform of the future for Web3 as the mainstream gets more into Web3. You know, as more, you know, doxed people get into NFTs, they'll start building more content on LinkedIn, uh, which I think will become huge. Newsletters, there's a lot of people building newsletters now. Um, You know, it's getting saturated in the fact that there's a lot of them, but I don't think the quality is saturated. So I don't think there's a tremendous amount of just high quality newsletters. Uh so I think that's a possibility. Um I think like short form video content is perfect for web3. Uh whether it's YouTube shorts or TikTok. People are starting to catch on to that, but I don't I, I think there's so much more the community can do with that medium, short form videos. You know, because like we, we just have a short attention span. Uh memes are huge. Memes translate to short form video very well. Uh short news stories translate to video very well. Um, So that's another platform people aren't taking advantage of. People are very inside the box when it comes to Web3 content. There's so much opportunity to take advantage of of other platforms out there at the moment, whether it's short form video or long form written content, uh, LinkedIn, the future. There's a lot of opportunity out there for people who want to experiment outside the box of Twitter.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And, um, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you an initiative that we are uh, working on uh, within Impeakda. I think you probably like that. So um, within our Genesis members, and you are a Genesis member, you you have one of our uh, NFTs. Um, You know, maybe we should, you know, talk about that as well. So one of the things that we are doing with our Genesis members, there's about a group of about 20 or so of us that um, we are... uh, crowdsourcing content together. So basically uh, we, um, we are creating short pieces of videos Uh, In each video, we will be explaining a a Web3 concept. Um, We've now uh, created about 50 pieces of content almost, or or 40 something pieces of content. And when we get to 50, we are gonna start releasing. So I think this week or next week we will start releasing it. And uh, basically it's going to be under the InPeak umbrella, but each person will record their own content and then it all gets edited by our team. Um, And that's how we are going to, uh, this is for TikTok and YouTube Shorts and this is how we are going to break through that algorithm because it needs a lot of content uh and it's very hard for one person to create so much content to break through the algorithm but if we can do it as a group uh and it's been really cool like people have been uh we've created some really interesting uh content that uh is going to start coming out from this week or, or early next week and um yeah so what what's what's your thoughts on that i haven't seen that being done by any other community so it's kind of like crowdsourcing content rather than all of the content coming centralized from one entity.
1: No, I think that's huge. Uh you know, education's at is sorely needed in this space. Uh and I think short form video is perfect for education. Uh I think crowdsourcing, you know, decentralized content is perfect for NFTs, right? You have communities being able to crowdsource from your community is something very unique to NFTs just because it's such a community driven technology. And so I, I think that's brilliant. You know, I, I think it'll one, bring attention to your community two bring attention to NFTs, bring more people in. I, I think it's just a win-win across the board. And yeah, actually funny enough tweeted about it this morning, like the biggest single opportunity in NFT content right now is education and just creating educational content. Um, so no, I, I think that's brilliant. Awesome. So, um,
0: Alex, I don't know how much you know about exactly what we are building. I mean, obviously you are doing a session on the platform this week, but Mm -hmm. what we're building here is basically the way I describe it is like LinkedIn slash masterclass of Web3. So we are first, focusing on the masterclass piece because that's the piece where um, it doesn't require us building a whole new platform. Of course, we have a platform, we have our content platform, but what I mean is like the community aspect of it. We are not yet there because that's where we will be raising investment next year more and more uh, and we'll be building from there but from a, a content you know the the uh, educational piece of it we've already got about 300 pieces of content like 300 uh, sessions sessions that we've had on the platform maybe by now it should be more than that um and our goal is to get to a place where we are running 24 sessions a day seven days a week in different languages in different time zones that's what we want to do like constant educational, curated education uh, on the platform. Um, And then we will be building kind of like the networking side of things, which currently we have that on our Discord, but we need to come off Discord eventually and build that into the platform. So as somebody who has been quite active on social channels, social media, if you were thinking of what would be the ideal looking social networking uh, type, situation for a for a professional audience so what we that's why we are comparing ourselves to linkedin rather than let's say um you know instagram right so it's, it's more focused on a professional networking what do you think is missing because right now um you know when you look at the majority of uh, social networks they have there's a there's something called a news feed um and it's basically designed around engagement Farming in a way, right? Like, like it's like who is going to get the most engagement, and and then giving people, um, you know, advertising as a way of monetizing. So, if you were if you were to reimagine a Web three kind of LinkedIn, what would it look like for you? What are some of the things that that you think uh, you would like to see from it?
1: Yeah, I think Discord is a step in the right direction, but it's not quite there yet. I think there's a tremendous amount of noise. I just don't think it's built specifically for Web3. It's a good chat app uh, and with the different channels, it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think it's there yet. Uh, I I think there's an evolution of that that would be perfect for Web3, You know, whether it's different functionality around showing off digital assets or being able to token gate specific types of content based on the types of digital assets you have. Uh, I I think that would be perfect. I think right now the closest thing we have is Twitter to like a good social platform for Web3. It allows people just to get ideas off quick, uh, to interact with like-minded individuals. Uh, And and it just has, I think, the same kind of mindset as most Web3 people have, which is quick sharing of information. Um, I also think Twitter spaces is is incredible. Uh, I think it's one of the most powerful Platforms and all social media as well. And I think that's a big reason why Twitter has become the home for Web3. Uh, So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Discord. I think that's going to slowly fade away in Web3 over time. Uh, I just think there's too much noise there. I don't think it's being used the right way. And I think they're just, they don't want to be a Web3 platform, Discord. There's times where they announced Web3 functionality and it it, it eventually got shot down because people just don't understand Web3, uh, the mainstream at least. So, I think there's an evolution of Discord that will turn into the ideal platform. I think right now, the closest thing we have is Twitter due to being able to spin up Twitter spaces easily. You know, the kind of live social audio experiences you can have there, I think are very unique to Web3. Uh, But there's a a platform that's gonna come. I don't think it's out yet. I I think it's that kind of Discord 2.0. I think someone's working on it now. Um, but we're just not quite there yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, if you were going to build something like that, um, would you would you try to build the platform first and then like the idea of build and they will come? Or uh, would you try to build the audience first?
1: Building an audience first is always the easiest way to do anything. It is much easier to sell when you have a million people following you than when you have zero people following you. Um, you know, There's there's plenty of great NFT projects that have really unique, interesting functionality that don't sell anything than are worth zero ETH because they just don't have an audience. And there's plenty of really crappy NFT projects that have sold unbelievably well and has really high floor prices just because they had an audience and community around them first. Uh, so especially in web three, it's much more important to have a community. you know we I would definitely say building an audience first, getting feedback from them and having them as a part of the building experience for the platform is a lot more impactful than building a you know, a platform in silence and then trying to attract people uh, starting from zero.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I, I completely agree. And and that's exactly my strategy. That's why we are uh, leading with education because with education, you can build the audience and then uh, you can uh, engage that audience in um, in the process of building the bigger platform. Um, one of the biggest problems in the Web3 space, in in my opinion, from an NFT point of view is the scalability. So um, it's very hard to scale and, uh, an NFT project that is tradable. Because uh, the at the core of it, people want uh, a limited number because uh, the more limited the number, the more uh, uh, there's chance of uh, the price of that um, NFT going up. right? So that's why people don't like it when when you have a large user base. And when you do have a large user base, uh, people are, are, there's a lot of churn and, and it's very hard to kind of build. Um, let's say for example, if you wanted to build a platform, our goal is to reach 3 million users by the end of 2027. And, uh, you know, 3 million, million uh, maybe in uh, like in Web3, we tend to not use the word user, you know, but the reason why I say users is because not all of them may be holders, not all of them may be, uh, you know, a lot of them may be like free members or free users, right? So we will have these different tiers of uh, uh, of membership. Um, and uh, I cannot see any scenario where we could achieve that if we had, Uh, you know, tradable NFTs. Um, So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The way I see it, I think there's a a place for NFTs and that is from a marketing point of view, right? I think that uh, it, it would be good to have uh, like a a uh, limited uh, edition type thing, which is like ability to it gives you the ability to do the marketing for that brand, and then uh, then the rest of it should be in our case we are we're starting with Soulbound tokens from December. But uh, yeah, would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I don't think NFTs as a business model or as a main revenue stream uh, will ever work. I think it's kind of a pipe dream we've come up with in the bull market when. You know, companies were making hundreds of millions of dollars off NFTs, uh, but it's not sustainable. There's very few companies making or or projects making any sort of real revenue right now in this bear market because, you know, royalties go down and royalties are starting to disappear. Uh, I also don't think the concept of digital collectibles or NFTs will be a mainstream accepted paradigm for decades so if your if your company is dependent on people buying or trading NFTs to survive, uh, I don't think that's a business model that will definitely not work in the next ten years. But in my prediction, never work ever. Um, you know, I, the, the the type of business models that work for NFTs are things like you see with Reddit, where it complements the Reddit experience. You know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the revenue comes from a digital product that actually pres- provides value. And then the Reddit avatar complements that experience as kind of a loyalty avatar. You look at what Nike's about to do: ninety nine point nine 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 percent of their revenue is going to come from them building really high quality products, and then a little part of that experience is going to be their digital products, their dot swoosh, people collecting digital assets, you know. And so, for something like an Inpeak, I you're going to want your product to be your content. Right. And your revenue to come from sponsorships or whatever you do. But trading NFTs, that's it's never going to be a sustainable business model. It's too dependent on macroeconomic conditions. You're basically betting your life, you know, your company's life on uh on-risk assets being working to, to make that a, a workable revenue model. And then, you know, it also just limits your customer base if you can only be a customer if you buy an NFT. Like why would I, I never understood people who say oh subscription model NFTs is the way to go? Why would you want to limit the amount of subscriptions you can have for your company? So I, I think you're doing the right. If you want to get to X million amount of customers, you need to be your main value add being the content education you're creating, and then the NFTs being a supplement to that. Maybe you want to be our most hardcore members and own the premium pass, something like that. You don't want to limit your company's experience. Because of your NFTs, you wanted to add to the experience and complement what you're doing. Anyone that's limiting the experience because you have to buy an NFT is is being destroyed right now because of the macroeconomic conditions.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I I figured this out quite quickly once we released our um, initial NFTs. I was like like our. Um, Genesis Pass is already around two ETH. And it's like not many people necessarily can afford that. And, and you're, um, you know, you're leaving quite a lot of people out. And I, I do think that our Genesis Pass is going to be a lot more expensive because, so now the way that we've done it is that the Genesis Pass is more of like our B2B model. So uh, you know, it's for thought leaders, com- uh, you know, community leaders, Uh, people who want to tap into, you know, the bigger network that we are building. And then the Gen 2 Pass is an example of of what you would get as a, uh, you know, as a member of the platform. Um, And, uh, uh, and then we will release our, uh, soulbound tokens, which the difference is that the soulbound soul token, uh, from the time that you mint it, it will be uh, uh, it will be valid for a year. And then after that, uh, you can uh, upgrade it. And we will teach people how to do it. They can upgrade it on on uh, Etherscan directly. Um, and uh, also the soulbound token, just like the other two tokens, are upgradable so that as people grow in their, um, it's kind of like they get points, right? They get points for for the different uh, activities they do, and then based on the points that they get. Uh, they will be able to then uh, get a maybe um a discount when when they're uh, renewing or, or they may even get it for free when depending on how active they've been but this is one of the ways that uh you know that i see and then at some point let's say when you have a big enough uh network of maybe about 15 20000 you know so token holders then it might Makes sense to have some kind of a PFB, but that PFB then it's not necessarily for a revenue, um, not, not for an ongoing revenue. So it might generate some revenue to begin with, but it's not necessarily for an ongoing revenue, but it's more like a, a signifier of who we are as a brand, you know, like the, like that in-peakers, you know, or peakers, you know, whatever we call ourselves, That that we are people who are uh, striving for our peak potential, you know, that we are going through these levels. You know, when when you get your NFT, it starts at level zero base camp. And then based on the interaction that you have with the brand, it goes to level one heights, level two pinnacle, etc. So I see that uh, a combination of bound tokens and collectibles, but the collectible should always be like a smaller portion of it. It's more like, just like a taste of you know like you say uh, uh hardcore fans or or something like that
1: so right, the nft shouldn't be the the experience it should be the compliment, like what you're doing with compliment. your is, is it's basically rewarding loyalty it's not the entire platform itself it's just helping to increase the stickiness of the platform
0: yeah exactly so when you look at um the NFT space right now, uh, as the NFT god, you have this uh, uh, this this overview of everything. Uh, so when you look at the NFT space right now, um, you know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, uh, communities. What do you think will happen to most of them over the coming year, two years?
1: Uh, I mean, most of them will disappear. Uh, it's just it's not just, most of the people in these communities are in twenty different communities. It's not sustainable for anybody a lot of those communities are driven off hype they see an nfc explode in price they buy it they get super hyped to be in the community because the price is going up and then once the price stops going up they don't quite care anymore uh so you know i i as i said before i don't believe communities built on nfts have that high of a win rate um i think attention spans are low i think attention spans go even lower when prices are going down you know, I'm, I'm more interested in communities that are built outside of NFTs, in which NFTs complement them. You know, I, I think, for instance, Nike is going to have this amazing community for their collectibles, and it's not because of the collectibles, it's because Nike is an excellent brand, but people really like the NFTs that are a part of that. It's not built on the NFTs. I think that's going to be a sustainable community around that. Um, but you know, communities built around a 10,000 collection of cartoon zoo animals uh, that only went up because it had a, some momentary hype. Uh, I think that'll disappear. Uh, you know, it, sustainability is going to be tough. Um, so, you know, I, I think it needs to be built on something bigger than just an NFT to, to have sustainability.
0: Yeah. So when I, when I look at, um, most NFT, uh, communities, when I, I look at you know they usually have some kind of a cartoon you know uh, drawing, and most of the time when I ask them what is your product like what is what is it that you are actually you know trying to uh, to convey here, and most of the time they say that they're building an IP, um, and that they're building this IP this brand around this cartoon character, and then uh, they are they're going to monetize it that way. And the amount of uh, the number of communities that I've heard that have told me that they're going to have a Netflix show, that they're going to have a um, you know uh, their own uh, animation cartoon, or they're going to have uh, a game. Like everybody says the same thing. And um, are there any of them that that you think are are actually going to get there? Um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see. Like for example, uh, because they. A lot of them say pretty much the same thing. Um, I think one of the ones that that is maybe uh, you know differentiating itself is Proof because they're building this um, uh, space for uh, you know like almost like a platform uh, for for arts. So so that's one of the ones that it looks to me that you know uh, is is doing something slightly different. Um, but most of the other ones. Uh, when I look at it, they all say pretty much the same thing. And, they're, and a lot of them are raising quite a lot of money. So yeah, so what do you think is happening there?
1: No, I'm not a big believer in the IP play when it comes to NFTs. I think 0.0001% of NFTs making the IP play are going to actually make it. Creating successful IP is unbelievably difficult to do. Unbelievably difficult. There's so many people that try to start t-shirt companies, start TV shows, movies, you know, there's there's hundreds of millions of people who try to create IP every single day. And just because you got a couple thousand people to buy an NFT with your cartoon picture on it doesn't mean all of a sudden you can build a movie. Like building a movie or a TV show is one of the most absolutely impossible things to do. Uh, And then on top of actually doing it successfully, like getting your show on Netflix is an incredibly difficult thing that one in a hundred million people can do. And then getting it on Netflix and actually having it be successful is even more difficult than that. And now just because this company sold a few NFTs means, okay, now we're gonna build a video game, a movie. I mean, even the most successful brands in NFTs like a board API club is in a very difficult position. They're trying to build a video game. Plenty of video games that Microsoft and Sony build themselves in house fail miserably and don't sell. And now a, a company that's you know built off a micro niche of a of a you know. of a vertical like NFTs is going to build a successful video game. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it's very difficult to do. There's a hundred Microsoft games they release a year that do not succeed and they lose money on. Um, So I'm not a believer in the IP play. I've never bought an NFT because I believe, oh, this IP is going to be huge. Uh, I I believe betting on IP, you have a better shot of making money and betting on uh, a, a roulette board. There's just, there's just no, The odds of success of a TV show or movie are so astronomically low. You know, I I, I don't believe that's the future of NFTs as IP. Uh, I I might be wrong, you know, but I I believe the future of NFTs is enhancing experiences. And I think there's a much better chance of doing that. IP, maybe one or two will be successful out of the hundreds of thousands of projects there are. But I think if you buy some project thinking, okay, this is going to be on Netflix one day, the odds of anything being on Netflix one day are very, very low, let alone an NFT project.
0: And so so for um, big brands like you got, like, um, let's say Doodles, uh, those types of brands, um, what, what do you think will happen? Uh, you know, because there's so much investment going into, into those brands, like, uh, you know, they're raising 50 million here, 30 million there. Um, I, I, I often think of that myself and like thinking about how are they going to expand? Like, for example, do those, they say that they are, Um, I I should probably ask this question of them, but, and and I probably will, but I wanted to also kind of hear from, from you uh, what, you know, what do you think will happen? Because, you know, I've, I've been, I'm a, you know, a proof and moonbird holder, and I've seen the pushback that uh, they get when uh, whenever there is any kind of sign of the, the uh, network expanding, people don't seem to like it because they are like, okay, the next thing that comes is going to dilute us, you know? And and they have uh, uh, obviously put in 30 ETH, 40 ETH, uh, you know, here, there. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of the time they're not very happy about the, any kind of expansion. And the, the business can't really uh grow if it can't expand. So um so so what do you think will happen to uh you know brands like doodle like you got those those kinds of big uh brands in the NFT
1: space oh the they are gonna to have to experiment because there's never been there is no winning playbook in NFTs yet there I think there will be one day but right now no brand knows how to succeed in NFTs. There's kind of this step one, you release an NFT project, it sells well, there's a ton of hype. Nobody has figured out step two. Nobody has built a successful video game. No one's built a successful TV show. No one's built a successful movie. No one, you know, there's never been a successful step two yet. There's been no company that's released like a companion collection that dramatically scales up the community that has succeeded. So what they're going to have to do is experiment the nature of experimentation is a vast majority of them fail and hopefully they'll manage their finances well enough where they'll be able to try a second a third a fourth and a fifth play before a successful playbook is built you know it's it's that's surely an issue with uh proof is um you know how do we scale up with while keeping this exclusive you know they tried that with moonbirds they scaled up with moonbirds but it's impossible for them, like if they start giving benefits to proof and it's not for the moonbirds, the moonbirds, people are going to be angry. FUD will start, price goes down. You know, there just hasn't been a successful playbook yet. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of experimentation. I think there's a chance where NFTs as a business model is just not a sustainable business model and they will have to go into something else. And, you know, I think there's a world where proof as a company and Kevin Rose is successful in the cost of their NFTs go down, you know, if they parlay the proof project into a successful uh, social media platform, which is what they're, I don't know if they classify it as a social media platform, but basically as you can text and chat and share your digital assets, if that becomes successful, I don't think that necessarily means the price of the proof pass goes up. I think the price of proof pass can go down and that's still a successful platform and brings in tons of revenue. For proof. So um, to go back to your your question is, you know, what can these companies do to be successful? I think what will end up happening is they will find success in other areas. They'll leverage their core audience of NFT holders in their revenue they gain from NFTs to parlay that into something that's successful. The unfortunate part for the NFT holders, I don't necessarily believe that means price goes up of NFT.
0: Mm, That's interesting. So so you think that in general, um, this continued raise of price, uh, you know, like people are thinking that some of these um, NFTs are going to become, you know, worth millions, uh, you know, like the floor price being millions. Um, So you don't think necessarily that will happen?
1: No, I don't. I mean, let's look at the biggest brand there is Yuga Labs. They're building a video game. This could be the most successful video game on the entire planet. I don't necessarily believe that means the price of the board API Club NFT is going to go up, right? Like, there's no way to, legal way at the moment, to return value to holders. Like, they're not going to take the revenue from the game and just start airdropping money to the holders. They kind of did that with the Apecoin. They're running into challenges now. They're being inv- like, Like, there's, there's no sustainable model for that. So I, you know, I can see a world where the game is super successful, but why does that mean the price of the NFT is going to go up? You know, if my cousin who's never bought an NFT, really doesn't know what an NFT is, loves the video game, why does that mean he's going to go now buy a $300,000 JPEG of a monkey? That I don't think, I, I think there's ways these companies are successful and drive a lot of money. I don't necessarily that belie- believe that means the price is going to go up of, of the NFTs. Of the NFTs. The, the only category of NFTs that the success of the project means price goes up is ART. That is the only category of NFTs where the more popular it is, the more it'll be worth because they don't have to release it. There's no other experience other than owning the NFT. And so the more successful CryptoPunks become and the more popular they become, the higher their price will go. I don't think it means that the more uh, successful the Board A B I Club game is, means the higher the price the NFT will go.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And like you said, um, the fact that there is no way to legally uh, return value to uh, the uh, holders is a is a big problem because I think that a lot of us thought. That uh, the ERC20 token type, uh, you know, the um, fungible tokens that uh, these brands would be able to put out would be a way that they could return some value to their holders. But we can see that the uh, uh, regulators don't like that, right? So we are we have in our plan to have some form of a ERC20 token to be used as for microtransactions on our platform. Um, but even then, I'm like just waiting to see what happens with Yuga and with Proof and you know uh, like all these other brands that are thinking about having their own uh, tokens. Um, yeah, so so that's a, that's definitely a challenge. Um, and and this is quite interesting what you say about the fact that you think that the the price of the token, uh, like the, the price of the NFT, doesn't necessarily go up as this uh, this a uh, company becomes more successful. So this is something that, as people come into the space, they might want to look at and and think about. Do you think that we will ever see the level of um you know the the madness of uh, all time highs that we had in the last bull market? Like, would would some of those projects um, hit those kinds of prices again?
1: I think it's possible, right? Every time there's a bull run, the market cap of cryptocurrency hits new all time highs. Do I believe that means all the projects that were high in price last bull run will go up in price next bull run? Absolutely not. I think 90% of them will go, still be zero, even if a new bull run comes around. Um, you know, I, I do believe that crypto, I do believe that NFTs are a considered a speculative asset. And what that means is when money starts getting printed, money goes into speculative assets and NFTs will be that. So I do believe the market cap of NFTs will exceed what it was at in the last bull run. But I don't necessarily think that means that all the cartoon zoo animals you owned in the last bull run are going to go up in the next one. Um, so you know, I, I, I do believe that another bull run will come when money starts being printed again. Everything's controlled by the macroeconomic environment. There's no scenario in which we get a bull run in NFTs but we're not getting a bull run in tech stocks or cryptocurrency, You know they're all connected. Uh, but again, I don't think that necessarily means the random cartoon zoo animal you bought 10 months ago that's now worth five bucks is gonna go up again. Uh, I believe a whole new class of speculative cartoon zoo animals will go up instead.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Okay. So last question. We talk a lot about uh, in the NFT space, we talk a lot about bringing people in into Web3 from Web2. Um, and one of my biggest worries is that when people from Web2 come into uh, Web3 and they see the uh, the level of speculation, um, you know, if you think about it, most of the people who are in Web3 right now, a lot of them are traders, basically, you know, and the whole uh, trading mentality has made it almost impossible to build any kind of meaningful long term uh, relationship with people because they are only thinking about the floor price. They are only thinking about, you know, the gain that they might have on that token. So, so people don't aren't really interested in what uh, what that token is going to give them. And even when they talk about utility, most of the time by utility they mean airdrops. They don't actually mean like utility, right? So, how do you think this might be a setback for us, or or do you think this might be a setback for us in terms of bringing in more people from Web Web two because they might come in and, and look at this and they'll be like, this is mad. Why would I want to do this? Why would I want to put myself through this?
1: Yeah, let me ask you a question and I'll answer it. When you say, because I'm always curious, everyone has a different answer for this. When you say, how do we bring people into Web3? What does that mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's a that's such a good question. The way I see it is that tokenization is the future of how we are going to uh, exchange value and and save Uh, you know, exchange value and and save value, you know, uh, store value. Um, I think as we are going to be living increasingly in a digital uh, environment, we are going to have to use uh, tokenized assets. Uh, And Web3 is basically this um, version of the web where we have the ability to uh, use blockchain technology to um, store uh, value and, and exchange value. So what a token is, so for me, Web three is all about tokens. what What a token is is a is a unit of value on the blockchain. And this unit of value can be exchanged and it can be stored in a way that you would never be able to do in web two in in you know outside of Web three. So when I say bringing people into Web three, I'm talking about enabling people um, to use a new kind of economy, and uh, and right now there are too many cultural pro- uh, problems with this new kind of economy because of the the trading culture.
1: So is is bringing people into Web three that that means bring allowing someone to own a digital asset, or is when you say participate in an economy. Do you mean they have to buy and sell things, or is no, bring no, no, not
0: buy and sell big. things? It, it's not about buying and selling. It's about being able to earn and uh, you know uh, and participate in the digit in this digital economy that is built on the blockchain, which is outside of the banking system. So, so it's basically uh, an opportunity. To uh, exchange value, digital, you know, in uh, digital assets value in a way that you wouldn't be able to do outside of the blockchain. So blockchain te- technology enables us to create these um, units of value that we call tokens. And there are different kinds of tokens. We have the fungible tokens, we have the non-fungible tokens, we have the soul-bound tokens, and who knows, there will be many other types of tokens. So, what these tokens do, they allow us to program them, we can program them to achieve different kinds of, um, in, uh, you know, uh, different kinds of, um, uh, you know, outcomes and, and to incentivize people to, de- uh, to behave different things. So it's, it's the first time that we can pr- uh, build programmable money or programmable value. That's what it's interesting to me about Web3.
1: Yeah. So I, I agree with you, um, participating in that economy. Uh, here's the unfortunate truth is I think when most people say, I want to bring people into Web3, I want to bridge the gap between Web2 and Web3, what they're really saying is, I want more people to buy NFTs so that the value of my NFTs that I'm holding go up. And there's a lot of issues with that. One is that it'll never become a mainstream thing. Main gambling on cartoon zoo animals will never be a mainstream thing people do. I also would argue it's damaging the society. If we try to get as many people as possible gambling on uh, pictures of animals, uh, I, I'd argue that's damaging the society as a whole and the mental health and psyche and economically how it works for society. I'd say all that um, is kind of rotten to the core. So you know, if the way I view onboarding people in the Web three. I think the only successful way we do that is if people don't know they're being onboarded in a Web3. And what I mean by that is I'll use the example again because I, I actually really like the way they're doing this, Reddit NFTs, right? People have been using Reddit for decades. They come on, all of a sudden they have an avatar and they're earning different features and functionality for their avatar. No one has any idea they're in Web3. No one has any idea they're owning NFTs. They just know they have an avatar that's being customized based on what they're doing. And now, because they have this avatar, they want to use Reddit more. In it's more enjoyable and it's a more personal experience and it's a more enjoyable digital experience to them. 99.9% of people who have a Reddit avatar aren't even buying or selling it. I'd argue probably most of them don't even know they can sell it. So um, I, I think the best way to onboard people into Web3 is to... Uh, make it so they don't even know they're in Web3. You know, Nike, they started their dot swoosh. You know, imagine a world where you buy a pair of Jordan 1s and you get the digital version on the Nike website, and right? It's on the blockchain, so they technically own an NFT, but the people buying the sneakers don't know they own an NFT. They just know they own a digital pair of Nikes. And if they do enough research, they can figure out a way to sell it if they really want to. Um, so, you know, I hope we just reach a time in the future where onboarding people to Web3 is more about getting people to use NFTs in a way that's beneficial for them and society as a whole, and is less about gambling and making number go up. Uh, Because I don't think NFTs, the technology will grow if the main goal is to make money. I believe the technology will grow if the main goal is to improve digital experiences.
0: Yeah, Uh, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I mean, the God has spoken, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but uh, no, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, I really don't like the overemphasis on the trading um, culture. You know, it's it is damaging. It is damaging. I, I have seen um, on uh, various channels where people have been talking about the fact that they are Suicidal because of the level of uh, you know how, how, where they bought their assets and why they didn't sell it at a, at the time when it was high and now it's it's gone down and and it's it is very um, y- you know damaging. Uh, but just a, a simple mentality of being able to uh, to trade everything, then you start to focus so much on on the the actual uh, token rather than what is behind it and what that company is trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's too much focus on the financial side of things, and, and that's why FTX was able to succeed. Uh, is just people just being greedy and trying to make money, and you know, there will there'll come a day where the focus is on the technology. We just don't have enough uh, use cases yet of the technology where the mainstream understands the benefits of it. But we'll, we'll hit there one day, and, and when yes. we get there, people will want to be a part of it and, and, and use the technology.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for a fantastic conversation. I really uh, appreciate it. Very much enjoyed it. Um, I look forward to having you on the platform. Thank you very
1: much. I appreciate it, Somi.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation with NFT God. Be sure to check out a fantastic live AMA session that he did on the Intiq platform. And he's also coming back on the platform again very soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give the five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi
1: Aryan Show.